Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. (laughs) What's up, guys? Uh, It's already here, week number four uh, of the NFL season, and uh, our beloved Chicago Bears at 2-1. and which is a record I think we could all agree we'd be happy with at the start of the when the schedule came out. Uh, head off to the road, take on the Giants uh, in the Meadowlands, and uh, another two and one team that people are surprised are, are two and one uh, for what could shape up to be a very interesting ba- uh, game uh, on Sunday because you, you know you've got a couple of clubs very mirror images of one another, very good in the run, solid on defense. Uh, young young quarterback struggling to get the passing game going. Uh, first year uh, head coaches uh, in in Brian Dable and, and Matt Eberflus and uh, uh, and everything else. So I mean, it, it, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams, including their two and one starts and uh, and what have you. Uh, and also the fact that um, it's a very mixed bag on on how people think this game is going to turn out. It, it's very much a a pick 'em kind of game, uh, if you will. Uh, my guest this week is is Braulio Perez uh, from Fanside. It's G-Man HQ. Uh, he'll be on uh, a little bit later on to help us preview uh, the game and talk about all that's going on with the with the Giants and everything as they 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 started two and zero surprisingly and then fell short uh, on Monday uh, against the uh, Cowboys. We also have uh, our news and notes, keys to the game, uh, and so on to get you ready for Sunday's matchup between the G-Men. And our beloved Chicago Bears. So let's just go ahead and without further ado, let's get ourselves started. This is the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Week number four is already upon us. And, uh, you know, I think I said this last week that, um, you know, you bellyache and piss and moan about how long the NFL season takes to get here. And then once it's finally here, you bellyache and piss and moan about how fast it starts to go by. We're already week four. So we're already almost a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, when the bears uh, take on the giants uh, on Sunday, what's going on, everybody Larry D back for the week four preview episode of the bears talk underground. You can find me online on Instagram and on Twitter at btu underscore larry uh you can also find us on facebook just search bears talk underground and join the facebook uh group 
to join in on the discussion, be caught up on all episodes being released, uh, and so on. So it's uh, that's how you can reach me uh, online. And uh, some of you are not uh, shy about doing that. And some of you, you wouldn't even know you're out there. So let me know you're out there. Hit me up. So, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup on, on Sunday. Um, uh, like I said, you know, in, in the open, like you'll hear uh, Braulio and I talk about during the uh, interview segment, uh, these are very much mirror image teams uh, of one another. You know, solid uh, in the running game. They play decent uh, defense, have somewhat of a weakness in run defense, uh, and their ultimate weakness right now is that their young quarterbacks are struggling to get their passing offense uh, off of the ground. So it's like the the way you stop one team is pretty much the way you'd stop another uh, as far as like, you know, uh, with our offense right now, you shut the Bears' uh, ground game down and put the ball in Justin Fields' hand and force him to win through the passing game. Probably your key to victory uh, at this point. We'll talk more about that at the end of this at the end of the show. But uh, you know, same thing with the with the with the Giants and and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just a matter of uh, you know they're very one dimensional on the offensive side. Uh, and everything, probably looking to create turnovers and such on defense uh, and everything. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see which team can actually come through and do what needs to be done, especially with with both teams being so one dimensional. Uh, both defenses are, are you know have the same focus on how to slow down uh, their opponent uh, and what have you. So will be very, very interesting. But before we get to our discussion with Braulio, we have our news and notes uh, here. Interesting thing taking place on uh, on Tuesday with, uh, you know, there was just this really weird kind of random tweet, and it seemed like the fact that it was posted was a mistake because it was a uh, like a 20-second video of basically somebody fumbling with the phone essentially. And then it was, it was, uh, it was all a ruse because it turned out, I guess we're playing up the fact that, that, uh, that Dick Butkus, the great hall of famer for our beloved Chicago bears is getting up there in years and not all that familiar with this technology stuff because it turned out to be, uh, a temporary Twitter takeover, uh, for Dick Butkus. He was, he was basically the owner of the Twitter account for a short period while visiting house hall, uh, on Tuesday, you know, like he took an accidental selfie. He posted that weird uh, video where he just seemed to be like, you know, filming the table that he was trying to pick the phone up off of. He told us a story about uh, Gail Sayers and the um, the six touchdown game against the 49ers in Muddy Wrigley Field and uh, and what have which was the rookie year for both guys. He and uh, Sayers were drafted third and fourth overall in the 65 uh, draft. And then, you know, Gail Sayers went off to have that. One of the still to this day one of the best rookie seasons in NFL uh, history. It's like overall, it was pretty entertaining watching uh, you know Dick Butkus pretend to uh, get his hands on the um, Bears Twitter account uh, for a while. He had a picture of himself with Coach Eberflus in there, uh, a picture of him um, next to his number on that really cool hallway that the players have to walk through to get into the facility where we have all of our retired players or it may have just be hall of famers, uh, n- names and numbers aligning the, uh, 
aligning the hallway that they walked down to get into the uh, into the building. So overall, pretty entertaining uh, what Butkus was doing um, and uh, what the Bears ended up doing to garner a little bit of uh, attention on what is essentially everybody's day off uh, on Tuesday. So that was fun uh, to uh, to uh, listen to and watch, I should say. But um, the other good news uh, happening in in uh, in Bearland, if you will, uh, Khalil Herbert, who was, if you guys listen, was my player of the week for week number three. FedEx also agreed with me. He was the FedEx ground player uh, of the week with his 157 yards on 20 carries and two touchdowns uh, against the Texans uh, on Sunday. So they have a uh, an air player of the week and a ground player of the week, and he was the ground player with his uh, with the you know his rushing onslaught uh, against the Texans, uh, if you will, well deserved in my opinion, obviously. But uh, you know, and he will be highly dependent on this coming Sunday. So, and I hope that um, you know the Bears not being exactly transparent on how they plan on uh, running their offense on Sunday. Won't work against us with the Giants. That we just won't have the, the, the you know the Giants putting ten in the box and daring Justin Fields to throw it over the top kind of thing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, the rest of this is all about injuries here. You know, Coach Eberflus shortened practice on Wednesday to try to quote unquote stay fresh. Uh, also, try to kind of avoid uh, the injuries. Uh, last week actually is when. You know, during the week of practices when we lost Jalen Johnson to the quad injury, Matt in, um, Matt Adams to his uh, hamstring uh, injury, Ryan Griffin went down with an Achilles injury. None of those guys played uh, on Sunday. So, you know, I guess maybe they they took away some of the one-on-one situations I read and, uh, you know, other things trying to kind of tighten things up a little bit and also, I guess, avoid uh, going up going a little too hard in practice, which is how some of the guys started dropping like flies uh, last week. So, um, and before we get to the injury report here, real quick, Byron Pringle uh, was um, was put on the IR list with that calf injury that he left the game. He left the game early on Sunday against the uh, Texans. I think he left like in the first quarter. He left with the calf injury, and apparently, it's significant enough that he's going to miss at least the next four games. So he's been placed on the injured reserve list. Uh, the Bears uh, moved Joe Thomas to the active roster. Um, he was on the practice squad last week and played a majority of the game um, at, at linebacker uh, for the Bears last week, and now he's officially a part uh, of the roster to fill up Joe Thomas's uh, roster spot or on uh, the practice squad. The Bears uh, signed wide receiver Reggie Roberson to the practice squad, formerly of the Titans. He went to SMU. Uh, during his uh, college days. So um, that's how the Bears have shaped out the um, roster uh, and everything. Been reading a lot of articles this week about possible uh, trade targets the Bears might go after, so, you know, rumors that uh, that um, Ryan Poles is planning on being very active uh, in the receiver market before the trade deadline, which I believe is week eight or nine uh, in the NFL. It used to be week six. Now it's week eight, I believe. A little bit deeper into the uh, into the season uh, and everything. Uh, we also have to keep in mind that you know, in case you forgot, because I sure as hell did, uh, Nikhil Harry and his ankle injury are eligible to come off of the injured reserve uh, next week. 
So hopefully he's far enough along in his rehab. I've literally heard nothing uh, about Nikhil Harry and where he is uh, in that process. Uh, he'll be eligible to start practicing uh, next week after this fourth game of the season is in the books uh, and everything. Very interested to see if Nikhil Harry is ready to do that or if he'll need more time to recover from the the surgery to repair his ankle uh, during the uh, preseason. So, you know, that that's, um, you know, why I mean, I know we added a wide receiver with Roberson being signed to the practice squad, but we replaced a wide receiver where we need a lot of help with a linebacker on the active roster. So maybe that's just a temporary placeholder for Nikhil Harry to come back uh, next week if if and when he's uh, ready. So we'll have to wait and see on that uh, next week and, and where Nikhil Harry is in the rehab process. Can he come back right away? Will it, will it, you know, will it require more time uh, and everything else? So I have to keep our eyes open uh, as far as that goes because the Bears have quietly added quite a few names to their um, injured list. It's like going into week one, it was like Valus Jones was the entire, um, was the entire injury report going into the 49er game. And then even after the 49er game, it was like Valus Jones. And then I remember Jamaica making the joke about Riley Reef nursing a shoulder injury. Like he was limited in practice, but it was like, how is he, how did he hurt himself? When did Riley Reef play, uh, you know, against the 49ers? And he's banged up on, you know, the first injury report of the week. And then last week, it was like, okay, then it was, you know, uh, Valus Jones still on Wednesday and then Thursday is when it kind of, you know, all hell broke loose. It's like apparently Wednesday was kind of a murderer's row of a practice because Jalen Johnson, Matt Adams, Ryan Griffin, Roquan Smith all added to the injured list last week and only Roquan ended up actually playing in the game on Sunday. And despite that hip injury that kept him from practicing all week, he had 16 tackles, two pass defenses and an interception that ended up winning us the, uh, football game as we move into this week uh matthew adams dane crookshank and um uh, jalen johnson and david montgomery all not practicing uh today on uh wednesday adams and crookshank and uh, adams and crookshank still nursing hamstring injuries montgomery is listed with an ankle slash knee although i'm hearing it was more of an ankle injury then a knee injury as far as like severity and, and uh, you know, what actually hurt him um, and everything. But, um, and, and Jalen Johnson with the quad injury that held him out of practice uh, last week. Ryan Griffin was limited today with the limited, or excuse me, with the Achilles uh, injury. Valus Jones, as he was all of last week, I think he didn't practice Wednesday and then he was limited on Thursday and Friday and obviously still did not play uh, against the Texans, he's limited again with the hamstring injury. And now Roquan's listed with a quad injury, not the hip injury that held him out of practice last week. But he was limited in practice with those injuries, so take that uh, for what you will. So, yeah, so for a team that's kind of lacking, you know, in, obviously in, in some talent areas, but also lacking in a little bit of depth, you know, Adams, Griffin, Johnson, Jones, Montgomery, Smith, these are all people that are supposed to be contributing. You know, Ryan Griffin as our number two uh, tight end. Matt Adams is, I believe, our weak side uh, linebacker. 
Uh, Crookshank is, is more of a guy coming off the bench slash special teams right now. Uh, Jalen Johnson, obviously he's our CB1 at the moment. Valus Jones is supposed to be our special teams dynamo and our deep threat, but he's yet to see the field at this point. We all know who and what David Montgomery is, and the same thing with, with Roquan Smith. These are all important guys, and uh, we're needing the, the people behind them to step up and do something. And currently, the only person who's actually doing that would be David Montgomery's backup and our beloved Khalil Herbert. So... Every uh, you know everybody else on this list, their backups need to step up to uh, fill the holes that these guys are leaving behind uh, right now. So, but anyway, there you have it with the uh, injury report. Uh, everybody will keep an eye on that. Uh, hopefully, we'll see Valus Jones be a full participant by Friday, so that we he may make his NFL debut uh, on Sunday against the Giants because we need all the help we can get as far as tools in the passing game we could use a spark from the special teams anything that will kind of take the pressure off of uh the offense and and uh you know help open up the passing game we'll talk about that in keys to the game here after we get done talking to Braulio uh in a moment but um you know keys to the game I think you guys all know what's going to be I think we'll we'll touch upon that uh when Braulio and I are talking um but it's uh it's not going to be hard to figure out what it is the Bears need to do in order to come away with the victory uh, on Sunday because it's the same thing that basically everyone's telling the Giants they need to do in order to beat the Bears uh, on Sunday. So anyway, that's going to do it for uh, news and notes. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Braulio Perez from Fansided's uh, G-Men HQ. Uh, we'll go ahead and get that started as we preview Bears-Giants week number four. Fourth week of the 2022 season has our beloved Chicago Bears heading out east to the Meadowlands to uh, take on the New York Giants in uh, MetLife Stadium or whatever sponsor sponsoring the building uh, these days. And, uh, you know, the 2 and one Giants, the 2 and one Bears, uh, I don't think anyone thought this would be the case coming into this one. And here to help us preview uh, this ball ballgame. Uh, from uh, fan side is G-Man HQ. We got Bra- uh, Braulio Perez. <laughs> Uh, and we just talked about how I was going to pronounce it, and I told you I knew how to, and then I choked on it the second I tried to get it out of my mouth. Braulio, my apologies, and welcome to the show. No worries at all. Hey, you're you're not the first person to uh, to have some trouble pronouncing it, and I can confidently say you won't be the last. Right, it's a unique name. I've never heard it before. Is it is it a family name uh, that got passed down to you, or? Yeah, so my family is uh, from Ecuador, okay. um, and I always make the joke that my dad lost a poker game to give me the name Braulio, but it turns out it was uh, my mom's uncle's name who helped raise her when uh, when she was younger, so that's uh, that's why we've got it. It's like John in Ecuador. So, uh, is that yeah, right? Uh, I'm fine with it. No, no, it's actually pretty unique over there, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Larry is, you know, my dad's name, my grandfather's name, and so on, so it's uh, it's a name that gets that got passed down. It's... it's uh, not as uh, unique as uh, as Braulio, of course, but uh, you know it, it's it's uh, what I like to call an an uncommon common name. You've heard it before, just not that much. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about these. Uh, let's talk about these teams uh, of ours here. Um, as I was just about to 
say before we started recording uh, here, they're very much kind of mirror images of each other. They they play well on defense. They run the hell out of the football, and they're still waiting for their passing game uh, to mm-hmm. wake up. Would that be a pretty accurate assessment of the Giants for three weeks into the new Dable uh, regime? Oh, de- definitely. I mean, fans, um, you, you see it all over social media, especially on Twitter. Fans are just waiting to see what Daniel Jones can do. And the this past week against the Cowboys, he made some incredible throws. Mm-hmm. Um, the only issue is the offensive line just not has just not performed the way that people thought they were. You know, right. this is a completely new, different offensive line. They went out, uh, were aggressive. You know, uh, free agency bringing in Evan Neal with the number seven overall pick, and then Jones just had no time to scan the field, um, and, and that's a problem, especially with Jones and his contract year. I mean, he's playing for his future. And how can people, you know, really assess his play if he's running for his life half the time? Um, so, yeah, I mean, Saquon Barkley, you, you saw, you, you've seen it so far. He's broken off for some big runs early on in the season. He had that big 36-yard touchdown run. That's been great to see. Um, but, it, yeah, it's just the passing game has been, been a nightmare for the Giants. And I know that's been an issue for, uh, for the Bears, too. I mean, there's high hopes for, for Justin Fields. But, I mean, how... How good can he be when he doesn't have, you know, a true number one receiver uh, or a quality uh, wide receiver room to, to get balls from him? Well, yeah, and that that and the fact that the the guy that we thought was going to be our number one is not playing like one uh, right now. And Darnell Mooney, he was supposed to be Justin's favorite target. They've been working together all offseason, him and, and, and Cole Komet. And, uh, the, you know, Cole Komet just made his first catch against the Texans on Sunday. Darnell mm-hmm. Mooney... I think only has three or four catches on the year thus far for like less than 20 yards, if that much. So, you know, not only are we scrambling for targets for him to throw to the ones that he thought he was going to be able to depend on haven't shown up yet. And uh, it's um, uh, I heard it described as each each play has its own story to tell as to what is failing in the passing game. Right now, sometimes it's the offensive line just leaking like a sieve and letting everything right through. Sometimes it's Justin uh, just standing there hanging on to the football, and whether that's he's not trusting his own eyes or he's not seeing the receiver or doesn't have the confidence, is hesitating, a uh, thing like that. It's 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 a million different things. Uh, of course, along with the fact that we don't have the best wide receiver room, and sometimes these guys don't get open. So it's a combination of all of those things happening all at once. Uh, and that's why the passing game is is uh, failing. Of course, it's it's not doing it, it's doing a lot worse than the Giants uh, are doing right now. I mean, we're thirty two with a bullet uh, right now as far as uh, you know the ranking the the passing games and everything. But we're number two in the whole league running the football. So somehow it's balancing it out to the point where somehow we are a two and one team and not zero and three or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, just going off what you said, it just kind of uh, with with Mooney, it reminds me of. Uh, I, I mean, I had to bring this up. Kenny Galladay. I mean, that's going to be a topic of conversation until he's you know potentially traded, as Ian Rappaport uh, stated last week, or if the team just finally decides to eat everything and, and cut him. But he was supposed to be the number one guy too. I yeah. mean, he signed a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar deal. Fans were ecstatic when they brought him in uh, last offseason. You know, this is going to be the guy. He's going to be the go-to option. Through three games, two receptions for, I want to say, 22 yards. Back-to-back games, no receptions. And in week two, he played two snaps. Um, he saw a little bit more action uh, against the Cowboys, 
but again, no reception. And then in the fourth quarter, oh yeah, Yeah. in the fourth quarter he dropped a uh, on third down. Granted, I I still think he would have been stopped short of the sticks, but he dropped a a a ball that hit him right in the right in the chest. I mean, he had his hands on it, and then it it just somehow fell to the turf. And from that moment, if you just would have typed in Kenny Galladay on Twitter and then seen the comments, (laughs) I mean, just people wanting him out of town, just like enough is enough, cut him, trade him. Like uh, people in East Rutherford and I mean the entire New York area for that matter, they they want nothing to do with this guy. You're being paid like one of the highest paid receivers and you can't catch that, like catch the darn ball. I mean, what does Daniel Jones have to do for you? Just run out there and just hand it to you? And like, no, catch the ball. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's just been terrible to see because there was hope that he would be able to, to get it together this year. I mean, a new offensive system, uh, Brian Dable's in town. Mike Kafka has taken over as offensive coordinator. Could this be what finally gets him on track? And then you know, it's not only Galladay. I mean, Kadarius Tony, the 2021 first-round pick, mm-hmm. that the hope was that him with his speed, he could finally, you know, turn things around. Because he, he had a – he showed glimpses during his rookie year. He had that breakout game against the Cowboys, but he's just been battling so many injuries, um, and he just can't seem to find his footing either. And he, he missed the Monday night game with a hamstring injury, and who knows if uh, if he'll be able to play against the Bears. I mean, it, right now it feels like week by week it's totally unknown if he's going to suit up or not. But the Giants need a receiver to step up, especially with Sterling Shepard uh, suffering that torn ACL. I mean, Man. that's not only just a veteran receiver, um, that's that, that's the leader of this team. I mean, he's been with the Giants since, uh, what, 2016, the last time they went to the playoffs. I mean, he is the the rock, the guy that guys want to go out and play for. And there's a reason guys from the Giants and Cowboys rushed over to the cart to, to, to wish them well, to, like, keep your head up, because he yeah. means that much to this franchise. So, I mean, to, to lose Shepard and then Galladay not stepping up, Tony always being injured, I mean, that's it, it, it's just awful for the Giants' offense. And you don't have a tight end to uh, kind of cover for those guys either. Well, no, but I will say a a guy who has impressed the last couple of weeks has been Daniel Bellinger. Mm-hmm. He's the fourth round pick out of San Diego State. Um, he he's doing a great job blocking, but he's also opening up a little bit. And he's he's able to catch some balls too. He he's almost like a, a becoming a little bit of a safety net for uh, for Daniel Jones because I mean his receivers aren't getting open. So I mean finally. It looks like Bellinger is that that tight end that tight end who can who can make some plays for his quarterback. Like, no, don't get me wrong, he's not a star by any means. He's still, you know, he's entering his fourth uh, regular season game this week and uh, still a first year player. But he has shown he has shown some some things to be uh, to be excited about for the fan base. Well, I mean, talk about Sterling Shepard. I mean, it's one thing to to lose him, but to lose him the way that you did, you know, literally just trotting down the sideline, non contact injury it's like he's he's slowing down from jogging and then it's that's it he's done for the year um you know that turf in in MetLife has claimed more than one ACL lately well that that's just opened up a a new you know widespread combo it's like why can't uh, they have grass why why can't around the league why are they still playing on turf why can't they use grass because you're right I mean you look at that replay Shepard looks like he's just you know just having a, a normal jog out on the turf, yeah. and then boom, out of nowhere, you see like you know the, the the pebbles fly up from from the turf, and then immediately he grabs that knee. And honestly, the second I saw the replay, I was like, oh my god, this yeah. this is an ACL. Well, 
Well, like, I mean, I, it's I like, knew it. yeah, he just, he automatically lifts the leg up and goes right down. Uh, you yeah. know, it's not like some of those ACLs where you see the guy get up and he walks off and you find out later it was an ACL tear, worst case scenario uh, kind of thing. It's like, no, he's not putting weight on this. Uh, you know, he's, he's just done. The lift the foot, lift, lifts the, like a flamingo. Leg comes up right up, boom. He goes right down. That's it. I mean, and when, when I, I knew what the video was the first time that I saw it, and I always get nervous watching those because I just hate to see knees buckling and ankles folding and things like that. But as far as, like, watching it, the only thing that is alarming about that video is his reaction to what happened to him. Because you don't see his knee buckle. You don't see, his, you know, an awkward step or, or him hyperextended. You just see him lift the leg up, boom, he goes down. And it's like, he tore an ACL that way? Holy crap. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, that's what was so scary uh, about it. it. was like he was literally jogging, and then second to last step, oop, just that leg comes up, he goes down. And it was, and then all of us, because what I saw it on was like, yeah, and this is the surface the Bears are going to be playing on on Sunday. It's like, oh, great. A guy just doing a mid-speed jog blows out an ACL on a non-contact injury. I'm terrified of this game on Sunday. Oh, you have every right to be. Just because, I mean, it, it's just a freak, freak accident. And, you know, who, who's to say this doesn't happen to, you know, someone on the Giants or the Bears this weekend or the mm-hmm. rest of the season? I mean, like you said, this isn't the first ACL that the turf at MetLife Stadium has uh, has torn, and it, it and it won't be the last. Um, so of course it's understandable if uh, if, if people are going to be worried. And, and with Shep, uh, I mean specifically too. I mean again, it was a freak accident. He restructured his deal um, so he could come back this season. This was supposed to be you know a, a big year for him. He, he tore his Achilles last year as well, and he busted his tail to get back on the field. And for this, I mean, it, it's the the Giants aren't going to bring him back next year. I mean, let's be realistic here. Right. There's Achilles tear, ACL tear. Uh, they restructured his deal uh, to void next year. I mean, for that to be the way that his Giants career ends, I mean, it, it, it's just heartbreaking. So according to the depth chart I have here in front of me, your starting receivers are uh, Richie James, uh, Wandale Robinson, who, who, if I'm not mistaken, is a rookie. And uh, David uh-huh. David Sills, those are the, those are the first three guys uh, off the bench to uh, catch passes from Daniel Jones right now. Well, Robinson, uh, he, he is a, a rookie out of Kentucky. Uh, he's he's been injured, um, so he didn't play. Uh, he didn't play last week. Um, we'll see for this week, but again, that's just another deal. It's kind of like Tony. It's like it, it's up in there. You don't know. Um, so yeah, uh, Richie James and David Sills. They're the ones that have been seeing an increased amount of uh, of playing time over guys like you know Galladay and Tony. Which had you said had you said that three months ago, people would have called you crazy, right? Right. Um, but that but but that's just been the uh, been the case. Um, and fans, I mean, the, again with, with Jones in his last year, I mean, is, is this really setting him up or giving him the the, the proper opportunity to, to to prove his worth? I mean, no disrespect to. Richie James or David Sills, but they, they're not the kind of guys that are going to, you know, make the game-breaking plays for you. That That's why people look at guys like Kadarius, Tony, and Kenny Gallup. You know, those are the guys who are supposed to be making plays for Daniel Jones and helping the front office see if he's really the quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, the been some terrible luck at receiver, and, you know, unless unless they go out in uh, in free agency and, uh, and add someone, I mean, you, there's just going to be a lot of question marks for this unit the rest of the way. So real quick, let's talk about the uh, that offensive line. I mean, on the corners, you got two of the best college tackles over the last few years. You got Andrew Thomas, a number 
four overall pick from a few years ago, and you got Evan Neal this year, thanks to the Justin Fields trade. That was the Bears pick that you used to get him uh, at number seven uh, overall. But tell me about the guys uh, in the middle. Ben Ben Bredesen, Joe Feliciano, Mark, Mo, Mark Lewinsky, um, not household names. How are they holding up so far? Well, I mean, they, they've been doing all right, but they really struggled, struggled on, uh, on Monday night. I mean, the interior offensive, the, the interior part of the offensive line, just a, a nightmare, uh, a nightmare performance against the Cowboys. Um, and at left guard, you know, the hope is, so Shane Lemieux, uh, the starting left guard, he went on the IR. Um, so he's missing the first four weeks of the season. The Giants can't wait to get him back. I mean, they, they need him back desperately just because, not only get your starter back, but I mean, this, this unit just needs some, some, some depth there. Um, so yeah, they, they need him back, but the, the unit as a whole, they've just got to play better. I mean, other than Thomas, I mean, Thomas has been sensational. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's playing at an all pro level. That's Andrew Thomas. I believe pro football focus has him as the top graded, uh, offensive lineman through the first three weeks of the season, which mm-hmm. has been great to see because I don't know if you remember, but during his rookie season, he was terrible. Um, he just, he really did not look well and people were losing faith in him. And that's exactly how people feel right now about Evan Neal, the, the number seven overall pick. Yeah. Neal, I mean, he handed, he, he had just a terrible, just, uh, there's no other way to put it. Just a nightmare showing against the Cowboys. Marcus Lawrence had a field day going up against him and Lawrence finished with three sacks. Right. And Neal just could not control him. Um, so there, there's, there's that part where some Giants fans are already calling him a bust. They're saying, oh, you know, he's he's a waste of a first-round pick. He's not living up to the height. But remember, this is how people felt about Thomas not too long ago. And uh, I believe today, um, I, I just pulled this up, Thomas said that he's confident in Evan Neal to bounce back. He said he's a talented kid, has all the tools in the world. He's mature as hell. I'm confident in him. And so if Andrew Thomas is confident in him, I think Giants fans should be confident in him too. Neal, yes three games he hasn't played extremely well he struggled but there's always going to be that the kind of those growing pains uh, as a rookie i think he's an incredibly talented kid and he has an unreal amount of potential he's just got to start putting it together i think the more reps and the more playing time he gets um obviously the more comfortable he's going to feel you know offensive and defensive linemen i think they're the ones that have really suffered from this um, this uh, step back from contact in practice uh, and in training camp and, and, you know, lowered reps in the preseason kind of thing to preserve players for uh, the regular season. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe wide receivers, running backs and such, quarterbacks obviously can do without the contact, uh, you know, in the early stages, you know, training camp and so on, preserve their bodies and everything. But, uh, but linemen? Offensive defense, we need the we need the the contact. We need the to be able to practice those techniques. That has to be done at full speed in contact. You can't walk your way through a swim move or you know or a you know a, or, a, or a spin or anything like that. You can't walk your way through those things and then be efficient on Sunday. And that's where I think, especially younger linemen, I think sometimes they some of them take it to like a fish to water. Like our left tackle Braxton Jones, he's doing outstanding so far uh, this year. But, you know, the younger guys, they often need that, that contact, that, that, that action and such. And that's why they look like they're learning on the job so early on in their careers because they literally are. They're getting more contact on Sunday than they've probably gotten all week or, or weeks leading up to that game. Oh, I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, how, how can we expect, especially a rookie, how can we expect these guys to 
compete with some of the the biggest and fastest, you know, defensive linemen out there, you know, pass rushers who go full speed. They have that experience when in practices or in training camp, they're, they're not given, they're not going at all. Of course, they're not going to be used to it. Um, so that's definitely impacting, uh, uh, younger offensive linemen. And I mean, that's going to be the case for a while now if, if things continue like this. Well, I mean, especially with Neil, though, I think the thing that, that was, uh, bothering people on, on Monday was, well, I mean, DeMarcus Lawrence is a hell of a pass rusher, but it's, he was getting annihilated like it was Mark, Micah Parsons that was running uh, through yeah. him, you know, like one of these generational once in a lifetime, you know, edge rushers and everything where, you know, he's literally bowling people over uh, and whatnot. He was he was getting this done by, by by Lawrence, who is a good pass rusher, but not to the level that he was making him look on Monday night. Three sacks and, you know, in, in a game and, and things like that and, and probably could have had a few more if he could have just got another step or two. Well, yeah, I mean, Neil's lucky because there were there were some times where Jones was able to step up and then take off running. Otherwise, I mean, Lawrence could have finished with 20 sacks. Um, but yeah. Neil just looked slow. Uh, he made Lawrence look like a, like a Hall of Famer that night, right. which sucked to see because Lawrence Taylor was in the house. And uh, Neil made uh, DeMarcus Lawrence look like Lawrence Taylor the way he was able to get in the backfield. Um, so, yeah, it's like you said, I'm, I, I think the the – the, the impact of not being able to go full speed and in full contact in training camp, it's, I mean, clearly it's having a rough impact on Neil because he's not looking like a, like a number seven overall pick. Yeah, he doesn't look quite seasoned just yet. And I know we're only talking about a guy three games into his NFL career, but, you know, you you rewind the clock even as, as early as uh, 2010, like the last year before the CBA that went into effect. Those were guys that were hitting sometimes twice a day. Uh, in practice and you know and and had, having all the contact in the world when they got to the regular season their bodies were ready they were tuned and then it was just about talent versus talent uh out there and then there were some things that you were seeing from him on Monday where it's just like you know he's just not seasoned enough to be out there uh facing a guy like DeMarcus Lawrence right now and in paying for it and so is everyone else as in Daniel Jones getting sacked by him and pressured and, you know, blowing up plays. Like, hey, maybe their receiver was open, but Jones had to abandon the pocket because he had DeMarcus Lawrence breathing out of the neck. The hope there is that he can he can get it together. Um, and, well, one thing that I'm seeing is there's just a lot of panic uh, between uh, among Giants fans right now. But you got to remember, it's just three games into the season. Right. Uh, He'll he'll have a big test this weekend against the against the Bears. Yeah. Now let let me ask you this. Sure. Do you think that the that the offensive line for the or I'm I'm sorry the the, the pass rush for the Bears? How would you compare them uh, to you know other teams that the Giants have faced? Do you think Neil has a chance to to bounce back this week, or do you think uh, Giants fans might be left frustrated once again? Well, looking at your opponents thus far, Tennessee, Carolina, and the Cowboys, you faced the best pass rush this past. Monday, and I, I uh-huh. think we would be number two or number three, as in like either it's either Titans two, us three, or us two Titans three. Because I, I don't really know a lot about what's going on with the with the Panthers as far as you know what talent they have uh, rushing the passer. How did they do against the Panthers pass rush wise? They, I mean, they they looked solid. Okay. Um, Jones, the, the thing that was frustrating was was Jones was still making some mistakes. The, the issue with Jones is that sometimes he just takes too long. Um, he's not quick in his decision-making. I mean, obviously, I never want to compare Daniel Jones to like an Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, but what makes those guys so special is that 
they make a decision in a split second and they're firing the ball. Jones still has a little bit of hesitancy, hesitancy to him, um, which that can't happen with a, with a ungelled Giants offensive line because that's when things break down and then he's going to take too many sacks. Right. And that's with that also... Against the, Go ahead. Well, and I was with that said against the Panthers, the the line would break down and Jones would just put his head down and he, he would either get sacked or he would just try and take off running and he would, be, he would get brought down. But for the most part... The offensive line looked okay. They looked almost solid uh, against the Panthers. Well, um, you know, like I said, my my, my answer is is kind of twofold as far as like what we've done this year. If you see the same guys that rushed against the Forty ers it's going to be a long day for Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, if you see the same guys the in the first half that sacked Aaron Rodgers three times in that first game, or in the first half, I should say. Um, going to be a long day for Daniel Jones. But for second half of the Packer game and basically almost all of the Texans game, we didn't generate much of a pass rush. We only got to Davis Mills one time uh, on Sunday, and that was late in the ball. I mean, it was, it was a key sack when we got it. We got it right when we needed it, but, uh, you know, the pressure just wasn't there. Uh, but they also have Laramie, Laramie Tunzel. They have another uh, first-rounder in Titus Howard on the other side. So coming off the edge, that's not that big a surprise. It's it's coming up the middle where we we had no effectiveness uh, whatsoever. So I would say it would depend. Like if you get the the guys for the first six quarters of the season, that that game against the 49ers in the first half of the Packers, it'd be a long afternoon uh, for Jones. But for me, I'm more worried about what's going to happen if and when Jones breaks the pocket because he's a talented talented scrambler. So uh, you oh. know it's it's going to be more about what our second and third level guys are doing as far as like staying home to minimize what Daniel Jones does when he breaks the pocket. Gotcha. So, I mean, that makes sense. And then, I mean, with Jones, it, people forget he does have some wheels. Yeah. I mean, he, he showed that against the Cowboys. He, he broke off for some, some big runs. I believe he finished with uh, 75 or 79, 79 uh, yards. yards. He was only two yards behind, uh, behind Barkley on the, on the night. 81 to 79. I was, I was just talking about that on my NFL review show the other night. It's, it's, you know, remarkable. Like, that's what has me worried. Like, not only the damage that Barkley himself can do, because as good as we are rushing the ball, we're not, we're, we're almost in complete opposite as far as defending the run. So it's like the, it's, we're playing to each other's strengths here. You know, our rush game against your rush defense and then vice versa with, you know, our rush, uh, you know, our rush defense against your running offense. It's like, we're number two, you guys are number four. So there's going to be a lot of running uh, on Sunday. And whether it be injuries are limiting your wide receivers, we have a few injuries on our side, but also we have uh, you know talent deficit issues uh, in our wide receiving core uh, and everything. It could be a short game from all the running with the constant clock going kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it all uh, unfolds uh, that way. It's really going to come down to who wins in the trenches. It's going to decide who wins this game. And that that's just old school football. So yeah, you know, signing up for that, I'm all for that. So let's talk about this defense uh, of yours. Is the three four a new thing for you guys with uh, with Dable taking over and uh, you know bring, bring, probably bringing in Buffalo's defensive system? Because you remember you guys were a four three last year. Well, so Wink Martindale is uh, the new defensive coordinator. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's come in, and that's just been a, a, a huge blessing. Like I know everyone's talking about Dable and uh, and Mike Kafka. Um, but I'm, I'm a big defense guy and I love Wink Martindale. Um, so for him to, to come in and, and change things up for, uh, uh, for the Giants has been huge. And what he brings is 
he always brand like he's known for his blitz packages. Um, so and with the with with the Giants um, and and their personnel and the the guys that they have, that's what fans are are, are thrilled uh, thrilled to see. Um, so yeah, like, Martindale has brought a brought a brought a massive change um, to this defense, and there, there's a lot of new faces. Um, obviously, uh, everyone's going to be talking about Kayvon Thibodeau, the number five overall pick. Mm-hmm. He made his debut on Monday night, which was a bit of an up and down showing for him. Um, but um, I mean, he's he's another guy that people are, are extremely excited about. Um, but the, but the secondary has been a completely it, it's just a new look uh, new look secondary because they lost so many guys like uh, James Bradbury, the star right. corner that they cut him. That was a, that was a cap deal, uh, and then he signed with the Eagles, which people were just. They, they couldn't believe he went to the Eagles. Like, man, you're really going to go to a to a division rival? But hey, I mean, Larry, if I offer you uh, ten million bucks to go play for the Packers, you're probably going to do that. Uh, no questions asked, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think my my <laughs> I think my my only question was like, you guys will still love me when I when I come back, right? It's just you know, like I, it, it's ten million dollars. Are you really going to be that pissed at me? So yeah, it's like love me the other you know sixteen fifteen game or. You know, just just hate me on those two Sundays, not the rest of them, please. That's all I ask. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Um, but but no. Uh, so Martindale has been a, has been a great addition, um, and the defense has. The, I mean, the defense has helped them start off two and one. I mean, just mm-hmm. because the offense hasn't been able to to execute the way the way people um, thought they would. So I mean, week one against uh, against the Titans, um, the defense stepped up and they made uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, they they prevented him from looking like his usual self. I mean, you think Derrick Henry, you think this guy's going to be bulldozing people. He's going to be run, running over guys. But they held him in check. Um, and Tate Crowder leveled Henry on one play. I mean, if you – I'm going to have to email you this clip if you haven't seen it. But the slow motion version, Tate Crowder just rocked Henry. And it was awesome to see. Yeah, I've seen um, that one. Yeah, I have actually. Oh, yeah, lo- that was impressive. It. Yeah, and then uh, against the Panthers. Um, the defense kept them in the game too, um, and then even in the in the loss to the Cowboys for the majority of the game. I mean, remember after Barkley's touchdown run, the uh, the score was what thirteen to six, thirteen right. to seven. Yeah, I mean the, the the everyone was feeling so confident, and then just <sighs> Dallas just rattled off those uh, those back to back you know big series, um, and then it was like gosh, you know, they kind of reminded people of the. Uh, of you know the past couple of seasons where you know just when you start feeling good, this team lets you down. Um, so, but no, the defense as a whole has has been a ma- a major improvement. Um, but they've still got a lot of work to do. It's, it's just like the offense, you know, especially in the secondary. I would say um, where guys just kind of need to need to keep stepping up. It's like one one game, someone will look good. Like uh, you know, Darnay Holmes. He had such a great um, uh, training camp in the summer. And then he he struggled the last couple of weeks. Um, one guy who you know struggled on Monday night too is a is a Dory Jackson. He's the new number one cornerback to the team, and he you know he, he didn't have his best showing either. Um, so that yeah, that secondary which you knew there were going to be some some up and down moments just because I mean Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, James Bradbury, you know all those guys are no longer with the team, and not only are those you know starting caliber players, those are also veteran guys. Yeah, so now. This this uh, this secondary is now younger, um, and they don't quite have the the, the same experience. So you just got to hope that they um, can can make some improvements, um, and then obviously next year the 
the Giants are going to have to bring in some some new guys as well. I mean, there's talk about you know Jones, you know, not coming back, and they're going to you know without question take a a first round uh, a quarterback in, in next year's draft. But if something happens, Jones is insane. I mean, they've got to go get a cornerback. They've they've got to bring in a, a new and exciting player for that secondary. Yeah, it's it's. I'm very interested to see how this matchup is going to go down uh, on Sunday because when the Bears played the Ravens last year, Justin Fields was coming off the biggest game of his career, his Monday night performance against the uh, Steelers. Where, you know, they, he brought us back and got us the lead with a minute or so to go, and then the defense let us down and and gave up the game winning uh, field goal. All the all we kept hearing about all week long and all throughout the game was how successful Wink Martindale is against first-year quarterbacks. Or at mm-hmm. least how he is against somebody he's facing for the first time. Because he'll basically throw the kitchen sink at him, especially if he's a younger guy. He hasn't seen much, and he certainly hasn't seen what Wink Martindale's bringing to the table. you know. But the, obviously the thought throughout that game is like, well, unless we make the Super Bowl, we're not going to see Wink Martindale again for a while. It's like, well, as things turn out, here we are seeing him again. you know, Because he also talked about how the the learning curve, you know, got steep after that first matchup, things kind of leveled out. So I'm I'm interested to see that even though if it's a different team, how Justin Fields will react to seeing what me, Wink Martindale is bringing to the table the second time around. Like, will he recognize some of it and be able to avoid it and, and things like that? Because after the offensive line had a very offense, uh, very stellar performance against the Steelers uh, in the week before. All of a sudden, they had trouble blocking. Fields was, you know, Fields ended up actually, you know, hurting his rib and, and leaving the game injured uh, in that one. And, you know, but, but that's how difficult he, you know, was going up against this wing Martindale defense. I'm interested to see if he will be able to bounce back and recognize some things, even though it's a different team uh, this time around, to see can he see it coming before it gets there and, and whatnot and adjust and have a better performance than he did. Uh, facing him for the first time last year. So um, that's one thing I'm very interested in seeing on Sunday. Well, one thing with that I would say is, um, I mean, this is such an obvious, but it's really going to come down to how the Chicago offensive line plays. Just because, you know, with with Dallas, they gave Cooper Rush all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why he was able to uh, to make some some big throws. I mean, I don't know if you saw that C.D. Lamb drop um, where uh, Rush fired the ball deep downfield, and uh, CD Lamb somehow just let let uh, let the ball fall through his hands. Yeah, it just went right uh, through his hands. Yeah, Rush. I mean, he had all the time in the world. There was not a body close to him. I mean, he probably could have taken five more seconds if he wanted to. Um, so that I mean, that's on the on the Giants' uh, uh, front seven to, to get more pressure. Now, like I said, um, Thibodeau has uh, made a season debut, but not only that, Cesar Jolari. Um, was also back last week as well. And early on, he looked disruptive. He, uh, um, he had a holding call, uh, go, uh, for, uh, against Dallas when he, when he was fighting, uh, fighting in the trenches. So I think him, this second game back, uh, maybe staked off a little bit of rest in that first game. But I mean, we all saw how good he was last year during his rookie season. Set the new record with eight sacks. Um, I know Lawrence Taylor has the unofficial Giants rookie sacks record, but, uh, Ojolari has the official one. Um, so with Ojolari and Thibodeau coming off the edge, it's going to be imperative for, uh, for the, for the Chicago, uh, guys, you know, for their tackles to, to do their best to try and handle these guys. And, and Martindale, look, 
if he if he uh, impacted field play last year, then he. I mean, Martindale's a defensive genius. He's going to yeah. know what it's going to take to disrupt him again this week. Um, so that just adds another storyline. You know, how is Field uh, going to be able to handle uh, Martindale? Like you said, sending the Kenton sink um, after him. You know, time and time again. Is he is he going to be able to feel comfortable? Is he going to take off running? Uh, is the Bears' offensive line going to do its job? I mean, this is all stuff. Um, that we're going to have to wait and find out on Sunday. But I don't know about you, but even talking about it now, I can't wait for uh, for Sunday afternoon to arrive at uh, at that stadium. Well, I mean, because this is turning out to be a like a pick 'em type game, you know. Like I don't know what yeah. the line is, and I don't care. This is a fifty fifty game because these two teams kind of mirror what mirror one another, what they do well and what they don't, uh, and everything. So it really is going to come down to these these strength against strength matchups to find out which one's going to bend and or break to give one team or the other uh the advantage because as far as like the the history uh of the of the matchup and things like that the bears and the giants they go way back you know the the bears beating the giants in the 63 championship game i'm sure the giants knocked them off in, in the title game once or twice uh as well i think the like the infamous um uh sneaker game where like the field was frozen solid. So, and, and it's these, these stories from the old NFL are so amazing. I think it was, you know, like early late fifties, something like that championship game. It's bears and the giants. And the, the field is just a a sheet of ice because obviously they never took care of anything back in those days, as far as like what the field was like and the players just, you know, and, and everybody's slipping and sliding like it's an ice rink out there. The, the the equipment manager or the owner or whatever sends somebody across the street to the sporting goods store to buy sneakers, as many as you can get your hands on. And they basically come back with like these converse, the, you know, these converse gym shoes. They put them on and that was good enough for them to have traction and not be slipping and sliding. And they won the game. They beat the Bears winning gym, wearing gym shoes as opposed to cleats and or spikes. Uh, you know, on that field, that's what was the difference for them because they had traction. They knew when they made a, made a move that, you know, the bear was just going to go sliding right past them kind of thing because he'd be able to stop with the traction from the gym shoe and keep going. And they ended up winning the game because they had gym shoes and the bears were wearing football shoes. It was like those like stories like that from the old NFL uh, are just amazing. And the bears and, and the giants, they have those, those stories and everything, but it's not a series that's been dominated by one team or the other. I mean, I think the Bears have won the last two or three matchups uh, or whatever it was, the last two, because you guys beat us in 2018. We won last year and the year before. So, you know, it, it's it's not really one of those where it's just like, oh, man, we never could figure out how to beat those guys or anything like that. It's just whoever the better team is that day, that's who's going to win. There's history doesn't really factor into it. We have a history, but that doesn't really factor into how those games go. No. And then this one, the, the way it's being built up for this weekend, you're right. It, it's just even, you know, it, it could go either way. Like mm-hmm. it, it, would, would I be surprised if the giants won? No, absolutely not. Would I be surprised if the bears won? No. Like yeah. I, that, I, that's it. it it's a pick. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's whoever whoever wants it more and whoever makes uh, the big plays late in the game, that's who's uh, that's gonna that's who's gonna take it down. And for the Giants, though, I mean this this is it almost I don't want to say a must win feel to it, but gosh, they're they're gonna be desperate for wins because they got the Packers next week in London. So right. if you go into that game losing back to back games at MetLife, that's just gonna be brutal. I mean, you you really if if you're gonna lose to the Cowboys and Bears at home. 
Do you really think you're going to take down Aaron Rodgers uh, across the pond? That I want, I, I believe it's at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, there's no chance. And a lot of people were after those first two wins. People were talking about the Giants potentially starting the season four and zero. I mean, because again, they had that winnable game against the Cowboys that they let get away. Right. And now this game against the Bears is also very winnable. Yes, it is. So that you go from a team who could have been four and zero heading into that international game to a team potentially that's going to be two and two. Mm-hmm. Then if they lose against the Packers, they're going to be two and three. And then, then it's really going to be yeah, you know you almost the, like panic mode in East Rutherford. Yeah, you got the Ravens after that. You're on the road to Jacksonville, who's playing really good football so far uh, this year. Yeah. Then then there's that ominous trip out west in Seattle. That's that's always a trip when when East Coast and, and vice versa. When East Coast goes all the way to the West Coast and and vice versa, you always get some results that don't make sense. Uh, when those games take place, then you got the home for the Texans and the Lions, and then back to the Cowboys. I believe that's a Thanksgiving game uh, yep, this sure year. Is. So, yeah, the, the the stretch after this gets ominous because, like you said, you got the Green Bay, and that's in London, home for the Ravens at Jacksonville, and then at Seattle, uh, you know, another, one of those West Coast trips uh, and everything. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty important game as far as, like, you know, maybe not so much important for this particular Sunday, but that win's going to come in handy when you're trying to play for a spot in week 15, week 16, somewhere like that, you know, and you're looking for a tiebreaker because this is a conference game. So these are the games you want to win. Yeah, especially at home. Um, and like you said, later on in the year, do the Giants fans look at the back-to-back losses if they do lose to the Bears this weekend as, this is what kept the team out of the playoffs. This is what held them back. You know, the, 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 this is going to be something that people will probably talk about throughout the offseason, too. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, the Giants, they, they weren't able to take care of business uh, in prime time against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. They've got to find a way to take care of business this weekend. Personally, what do you think the odds are that Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the Giants in 2023? You know, it's, it's hard to say. I... I don't know. I think that Jones isn't get, being given a fair shot right now, mm-hmm. just because he he doesn't have a true he doesn't have a true number one wide receiver. The offensive line hasn't built the way it is. Like this is supposed to be his, even though it's his fourth year with the team. This was supposed to be his audition, his true audition um, to be the franchise quarterback. Yeah. And it's just it's he's not getting he, he doesn't have the tools in place um, to to have that proper audition. Having said that, um, he's still making a lot of a, a lot of mistakes that a fourth year co- quarterback shouldn't be making. Right. I mean, people uh, people are still discussing that red zone interception uh, in week one where he just stared down Barkley um, and then threw one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. And then you saw Dable ripping into him on the sideline, and rightfully so because it was just an awful, awful throw. That's the kind of thing. And then even uh, uh, in the in the week two win over Carolina. Um, I can't remember who it was, but someone posted on Twitter highlighting, I think it was either three or four different open receivers that Jones just somehow didn't see. And one was Tony. And if he hits Tony in stride, it's six points. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kind of mistakes that he can't be making. So long story short, kind of went on a tangent there. The odds of Jones being the quarterback next season, they're, they're low just because it feels like people are already, you know, looking at potential first round picks, um, future quarterbacks. Uh, even Tiggy Barber said 
there's a chance Lamar Jackson could be the quarterback for the Giants next year. Uh, which I mean, geez, if you want to talk about going from a from a Fiat to a Ferrari, that's <laughs> going from Daniel Jones to Lamar Jackson. Um, but I don't know the general feeling in uh, in New York and in, in New Jersey is that Jones won't be back. I would put it at maybe twenty five to thirty percent, and oh. that's me being feeling optimistic. Sure. I, I just just because the way the season's gone so far, so say they lose this week, then they're going to lose to the Packers. So then they'll what be two and four. Two um, three, yeah. Then they got a, they got some tough games coming up. Say they only win five or six games this year, they miss the playoffs. Is bringing Jones back going to really instill confidence in this team that they're that they're doing the rebuild the right way? Is, is Jones really going to be that guy? Yeah. It kind of feels like unless the Giants make the postseason. Jones won't be back next year. And one thing you got to remember too, this quarterback draft class for next year is yeah. pretty, pretty loaded. I right. mean, you got a lot, a lot of talent up there. So say the Giants are taken in the top 10 and a guy like, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud or Will Evies, um, they're, they're still available. Is uh, general manager Joe Schoen really gonna, really gonna pass up on, uh, on a guy like that and just keep rocking with Jones? I mean, especially with the way the, uh, the, the NFL is now. If someone like uh, Stroud or Young is available, like how in the world could you pass up on them? I, I, I don't think you could. Right, um, and and that's what that was going to be my other question was, you know, would he be the quarterback now if that quarterback class would came out in twenty twenty two instead of twenty twenty three? Because you had the number five, no. number seven overall pick. You mean you tell me that you couldn't take that and and package it with another high draft pick, maybe a one next year or a two or something to move up into the top three to get one of those guys. And Daniel Jones is, you know, maybe throw Daniel Jones in on that trade uh, as well, just to move him and move on to the, to the next guy. Cause that was, there was a lot of the talk as well, that if this, if the quarterback class in 2022 was anything close to what people are expecting to be available in 2023, Daniel Jones might be gone already. Oh, definitely. And especially with uh, a new GM, with a new head coach. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, new regime. They would have wanted their guy, um, and and that's the thing with this new staff too. It's like they're not giving favoritism to to players from from the old staff. I mean, I mean, look at Galladay when he only played two snaps um, against the Panthers. That was just Dable going with the guys who he thought are going to give him the best chance to win. That's why people were up in arms. Like, how it's Richie James and David Sills getting more time than the $72 million man was just like, well, Dabble said, he's like the guys that are competing and the guys that are going to give us the best shot to get a victory. They're the ones that are going to play. So that's their new mentality. And honestly, it's, it's good for this team. They need that. Um, but yeah, if, if the QB class for 2022 was loaded, then yeah, I, I don't think they, they would have hesitated one, one bit in going and getting a, a quarterback for the future and really getting this re, uh, rebuild going, uh, you know, immediately. Yeah. Eberflus is like that as well, because there's been some controversy with our offensive line. The, the guy that we signed to be our center, Lucas Patrick, broke his hand in training camp and started the season with one of those those fist uh, casts on his hand. Mm -hmm. Like he himself was good enough to play with the cast, but of course he's right-handed and it's a broken right hand, so he can't snap the ball. So what, they were, what they've been doing the last three weeks – is this, the guy that played center for us last year and played center through the preseason, Sam Mustafer stayed at center. And then Lucas Patrick and our somewhat troubled uh, uh, guard slash tackle, Tevin Jenkins, have been rotating in and out at right guard. 
Like they've like Jenkins started the first two games. He'd be in for two series. Then Lucas Patrick would be in. Then two series later, here comes Tevin Jenkins uh, back out there. And then last week, week three, Lucas was practicing without the cast, played without the cast, and they still did the same thing. Most of at center, Lucas and Jenkins rotating uh, at right guard. And when they were asking, like, why, why is that going on? And he's like, well, Jenkins didn't practice that well. And if he doesn't practice that well, he's, you know, he's not going to play uh, as much, you know. And, and, and it makes you wonder what the, the Bears are going to do if and when Lucas is ready to take over at center. Again, yeah. will they just slide Mustafer over to right guard or will they rotate him in and out with Jenkins at right guard before they just hand it over to Jenkins? They're going to they're going to make you earn it. There's accountability, which was lacking with last uh, year's regime with Nagy and uh, and Ryan Payson and the accountability. That was a foreign word. You didn't understand what that was uh, with those guys. But we have it here now. And uh, it, it's it, it's it sucks, but it's also necessary and it will also get you the kind of guys that you want to play for you. So, you know, especially in this first year, you got to take your lumps where you can. As long as you're seeing progress, maybe the W's don't pile up, but everything else does and gets you ready for next year when you're really ready to take a shot. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned that um, that the whole accountability thing. That's what Giants fans haven't haven't uh, been used to saying. And when uh, Dable chewed out Jones, people were ecstatic. They were thrilled. He was like, we, you never saw Joe Judge do this. You didn't see uh, offensive coordinator uh, Jason Garrett come after Jones after he made a bonehead mistake. But no, Abel's going to hold him accountable, and he's going to let him know, like, hey, man, you got to play better. You, you can't be making these kind of mistakes. This, this is the kind of thing that could cost our team a ball game, and we don't work our tails off during the week um, to, to lose on something that's easily preventable. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's happened in New York, and, you know, it's, I think that's happened in Chicago too, because I know fans over there they're they're quite frustrated with the with the play over the years, and I know it's felt like forever uh, since uh, you guys have had a uh, you know a franchise uh, franchise signal caller as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, just being generous, the the you know Jim McMahon probably being the last one that kind of like won over the city, and mm-hmm. that was you know he left the team in 1989, so. We're talking 33 years ago since we had a guy that was beloved to the city that, you know, people believed in uh, and things like that. I mean, Cutler had his moments, but he didn't endear himself to the fan base. You know, he's also kind of like Daniel Jones in the way where he's got all the talent in the world, but he just didn't have the pieces around him. And then when we finally got pieces around him in 2013, our defense got old overnight and we had one of the best (laughs) offenses in the NFL with literally the worst defense in the NFL, we went eight and eight and missed the playoffs uh, that yeah. year. Like we're literally lights out. Like the only offense better than ours that year was Peyton Manning and the Broncos when he threw fifty-five touchdowns that one year. That was the only mm-hmm. offense better than the Bears in twenty thirteen. But our defense was thirty-second against the run, just literally swinging gate as far as like giving up uh, rushing yards and things like that. We had to average 30 points a game to outscore our opponents because we were getting killed on defense. So, Gosh, yeah. yeah, but Awful. it's, it's, uh, it's tough to watch and uh, hopefully we'll see some improved play on both sides and it'll be the, uh, you know, the back and forth matchup that I'm expecting anyway, especially if both teams stick closely uh, to the run, be a lot of blood and guts uh, out there on the field. And I look forward to it and hopefully, uh, MetLife's field can behave itself and everybody can walk out with 
ACLs and joints and everything intact so we can just go forward through the season and then uh, see how the rest of the schedule plays out. I'd be all for that. Wait, real quick, uh, can I get a prediction out of you? I'm, I'm curious what you think the final score will be. Well, you know, like I said, it's it's Pickham, and, and right now – um, I mean, I just, I got to go Homer when it's even like that, you know, it's like tie goes to oh, the yeah. runner kind of thing when it's this close, I'm going to take, uh, my guys just because I could see it going in, in either way. So like you said, could, would you be surprised if the bears won? No. Would I be surprised if the giants won? No, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the bears. I like their chances just as good as I like the giants. So I'm going to go with, uh, with my guys, I mean, you know, maybe our special teams is the difference in the game. Who knows? So I, I would go with the, uh, with the bears. So, okay, perfect. So, uh, Braulio, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to help us out with this. Why don't you let everybody know we can uh, catch up with you online to see your stuff. Great. Well, hey, thank you so much uh, for having me. It was uh, it was great chatting and uh, learning about the, the Bears on uh, on both sides of the ball. And, hey, I can't wait for Sunday. So where can we find you online, like on Twitter and things like that? Oh, your... sorry. Uh, oh sorry. Yeah, uh, my Twitter is uh, Braulio E. Perez. Uh, on Twitter, and then uh, our Gman HQ Twitter is just uh, at Gman HQ. Awesome. All right, Braulio, thanks so much uh, for uh, joining us. Good luck and good health on Sunday. Uh, you too, my man. As always, want to thank uh, Braulio Perez for joining us uh, to help us preview this matchup. Between the Bears and the Giants, like I said, you can catch him at uh, Braulio E. Perez on online. It's also fansided.com uh, and then search for G-Men HQ to be able to read his uh, stuff uh, on the website uh, as well. So keys to the game, guys. And, you know, you, you heard Braulio and I talking about it. You heard me kind of mention it at the start of the the show, we all know what, what what the Bears need to do, especially on the offensive side. We, we got to get the passing game going. And, and to put it in more general terms, we need to balance the offense. We can't be an 80-20 run-to-pass uh, offense, not when everybody knows that's what we're going to be doing. It would be one thing if we were a 50-50 team, but the rest, the running game was better, so let's stick to the run game kind of thing. We got to get the passing game going in order to allow our running game to succeed. Because I think early on, you know, we'll, we'll probably see a lot of eight to nine man boxes challenging the run, daring us to throw. And we need to take advantage of that. You know, the Giants are going to be looking to stop the run because we have nothing else right now, or at least that's what three weeks of, of game tape is going to tell them. Uh, and it should open things up in the passing game. Uh, you know, if, if I'm calling the plays, first play, um, I'm keeping my tight ends in. I'm, I'm running a single back. I got two tight ends, two wide receivers. I'm going play action, and I'm going deep down the sideline to uh, Mooney or down the center of the field, whatever it is, just trying to strike a big play. And if we succeed, which is the the important part, if we succeed, that play alone might help us get the defense on its heels as far as giving them hesitation um, and, and, and not automatically just shooting the gaps to stop the run because they got smoked on the first play of the game looking into the backfield. So that's what I would do if I was going to be calling plays uh, on Sunday. 
I'm going 88 88 out the gates, you know, on the first play with with play action uh, and everything, keeping the tight ends in to help, uh, you know, the tackles and and try to clog up uh, pass rushing lanes uh, in the middle of the field. Let Justin Fields use that arm talent of his to try to get the ball down the field and and hopefully wouldn't end up in some kind of jump ball interception or something. Mooney comes down with it. He gets a step on his man, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that would really help the Bears get the offense uh, rolling and give the Giants some pause that, well, we didn't think they were going to pass. They killed us for a big play on the first uh, play of the game. So, you know, we can't just go diving into the backfield. They're going to try to throw it right over our heads uh, kind of thing. So, you know, the second one is is uh, the second and the third one are pretty much just one key all together. But the first one is, uh, you know, contain Daniel Jones on his feet. Um, he ran for 79 yards right on Barkley's heels. who only had 81 against the uh, Cowboys. It's like, we know we have to stop Saquon Barkley. He is their running game, much like with Montgomery out. Uh, Khalil Herbert is our running game. That's who's going to be running the ball more more than anyone else uh, on Sunday. Um, we know we need to stop Saquon Barkley. and uh, But Jones could be more dangerous uh, in the... Not necessarily in design runs, which they do have uh, in their playbook, but the defense is going to have to stay home so as to not create running lanes if Jones has to break the pocket. You know, even if that means we got to keep somebody in to spy, so there's always someone there to defend uh, Daniel Jones. But we just have to make sure that uh, we're keeping contain on the edges and everyone else is staying home. Uh, in the middle to prepare and minimize what Daniel Jones can do to us because he's got the speed. He's had 100 yard rushing games before. Uh, it was, you know, he had that infamous run, uh, I think in the first or second year of his career, where he should have had like a 90 yard touchdown and he tripped over his own feet to fall short of the end zone. I've, and I think what, what the tragic part there was that they ended up like having to settle for a field goal instead of having a very important touchdown run. But it's, the point being, he's good enough and fast enough on his feet that he could hurt us even worse than Barkley can um, in the uh, in the run game. You know, his his feet could be very dangerous for us. And then number three, let's dial up the pressure on uh, Jones uh, in the passing game on defense as well, because much like the Bears. The passing game is suffering for the Giants. You just heard Brawley and, and, and I talking about it. You know, all of their big guns as far as, you know, talent, because they've got some decent uh, weapons. It's just that they're either all hurt or not living up to expectation. And, and Kenny Galladay, uh, Kadarius Toney is, is, is out injured. They just lost Sterling Shepard for the season on that random, uh, you know, false step that he took on, on Monday Night Football, last play of the game. Uh, and everything, which is something that I'm just terrified about on Sunday. With with all of a sudden the Bears kind of falling, dropping like flies on the injury report, the last thing we need is to be going to a place where, uh, you know, they just ruin ACLs and, and things like that. But the Giants passing game is suffering the same way ours is. I mean, not to the extreme where they're averaging 99 yards a game passing like the Bears are uh, at the moment, but it's not a secret that uh, running is pretty much the only way they're getting anything done offensively. And I would think that any time there's a passing situation, we need to be bringing the house in one way or another. And I know that's kind of anti what we do on defense now. We're somewhat of a, 
you know, cover two, get there with four uh, kind of defense. But in a game like this, where the Giants are going to be fairly one-dimensional in how they best move the football, we're going to have to take that away from them. And then when they try to exploit in the passing game, we got to make them pay for it. I mean, the the Cowboys were an, are an excellent uh, example of what it what you can do when you can get there with four, like they did with uh, Demarcus Lawrence, like out sacking um, Micah Parsons on Monday night. But um, I, I think it, even though it's not really what we do as a defense, I'm not saying we got to do it on every single play. I'm just saying that you know we should dial up some safety blitzes, maybe some corner. Uh, blitzes to either catch Jones off guard, maybe force a takeover or excuse me, a takeaway, uh, turnover, or just flat out force a mistake. Maybe, you know, the ball sails over his head because he can feel the guy coming, gets the ball out of his hands and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that would be, that would help us, uh, you know, that would be greatly beneficial uh, to the defense if we just go ahead and dial up some blitzes to try to add pressure uh, to what our front four uh, is going to try to bring to the field on Sunday. So, you know, outside of that, it's there, there's really nothing, not much more. I mean, with like, these are all keys that you would use against the bears uh, as well. You know, the giants obviously want to balance out the offense. So are they, because they know that we're going to bring the heat in the running game to stop um, Saquon Barkley. It's also a weakness of ours on defense. So that's going to be important for us. Uh, as well it, it's going to be important for us to also stay home on defense make sure that you're in your gaps so that you know Barkley isn't making guys miss they're not overrunning the play and so on and so forth uh, but balancing out their offense so that they're not as dependent on the run game which they know the Bears are going to be out there to stop is key for them stopping Justin Fields on his feet is going to be a key for them as well Justin Fields uh, had a nice little chunk of that 281 yards rushing uh, against the uh, Texans with 47 yards uh, of his own. Not the 79 that Jones did against the Cowboys, but on the same plane that we that shows how dangerous our quarterback can be on his feet. If he breaks the pocket, he can hurt us. He can hurt them, I should say, uh, in the running game. And then they're probably also going to want to dial up some pressure to bottle fields in so he can't break the pocket and hurt them on his feet and and so on and so forth force a force a bad throw an errant throw you know a mistake a possible interception that kind of thing so like those keys that we that we would use to defeat the Giants could easily be the ones that used to beat us on Sunday as well and you heard me talking to to Braulio it's 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 a pretty even it's a pretty even matchup these two these two teams do the same things well, and it's basically it's it's going to come down to who makes the fewest mistakes. You hate to generalize it like that, but I really think that's what it's going to be. You know, somebody misses a an assignment, overshoots a gap, allows one of the runners to to break big, or God forbid, there's a lapse in coverage to where you know this team that is struggling in the passing game all of a sudden has a big play in the passing game that goes for a score or sets up a score uh, deep in the deep in, you know, enemy territory and uh, so on. It really is going to come down to one of those things, maybe a special teams gaffe, somebody muffs a punt, maybe somebody blocks one, you know, we block a kick, that kind of thing. Uh, It also feels like one of those games where points are going to be uh, at a premium, you know, where, where uh, these teams that, that both manage to keep their opponents under 
20 points, uh, whoever gets there first is most likely to be the winner uh, on Sunday. So like 21-17, 20-16, that kind of thing is is more likely a final score as opposed to, you know, like the the Dolphins and the Ravens a couple weeks ago, 42-38. to I don't think we're going to see that game uh, this Sunday, not unless we're having multiple scoop and scores or pick sixes, or, you know, or special teams touchdowns. We're not going to have these two offenses, you know, cranking back and scoring five and six touchdowns apiece. So it'll be an, a gritty game. I think lots of running, lots of defense, uh, points at a minimum. But I do believe our beloved Chicago Bears will come out on top uh, of this one. I just got a funny feeling uh, about it. Uh, but again, I won't be surprised if the Giants win, but, um, you know, I, I certainly expect the Bears to. So we'll see how it works out. We don't necessarily play well uh, in the Meadowlands. I think we've lost our last two trips out there at least. Um, but uh, we'll see if our fortunes can change on Sunday and we can move to 3-1 and one heading into a big divisional matchup with the Vikings next Sunday. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the Week 4 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Uh, come back tomorrow on Friday for the week four NFL uh, preview. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead right now. And uh, uh, I, on paper, this seems like one of the easiest picks, and that's what's kind of ominous about it. You got the 3-0 and Dolphins, the 1-2 and Bengals. For me, the question is, have the Bengals shaken that off, that 0-2 that start with their win over the Jets uh, on Sunday? They're going to be at home. Uh, on Thursday uh, against the Dolphins. The Dolphins coming off a big emotional win uh, over the Bills, uh, 21-19. to uh, With the quick turnaround, will they have recovered and will they be ready uh, to play uh, and everything? Lots of interesting questions. It's not just like 3-0 and versus 1-2. and Go with the 3-0 and team, which is what I'm doing. Uh, you know, first, I don't know what it is about me picking road teams, but these Thursday night games are a bitch, man. Uh, I like the road teams in these games uh, thus far, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, hopefully the uh, the Bengals can hold off on being the defending AFC champions for one more week and I can get this win on Thursday because uh, it, it seems to be the, these past two weeks anyway that if I get the Thursday night game wrong, that I'm going to have a rough week. So we'll see how it goes. I'm taking the Dolphins, though, putting that out there uh, right now. So coming back on Friday for the rest of the picks. Get you ready for week number four uh, coming up uh, this weekend. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.